Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, coming up at 4.30, Jennifer Mercedes, LaVita Baseball, going to join us to talk all things WBC, that's the World Baseball Classic. Uh, she was there in Miami, excited about that conversation, but really excited about this conversation that we're about to have as we kick off hour number three, and that's with Chrissy Freud, our good friend from SI.com, on Twitter at Chrissy underscore Freud. And Chrissy, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you, and I was checking out your piece on SI.com, Fan Nation, ranking the top 15 returnings starting NCAA quarterbacks ahead of the 2023 season. And before we deep dive into the piece, how would you compare the quarterbacks that are going to be playing in 2023 to the quarterbacks that are going to be in the draft this upcoming year? Matter of fact, coming up in April. Yeah, I think there's a lot more uh, similarity than we think. I think that there's been this big conversation about uh, just kind of the talent of just the gap, I guess you would say, between the 2022 and the 2023 draft classes. But I think we're just now starting to look forward and appreciate um, just the closeness and talent of this 2023 and 2024 draft class uh, because we've seen a lot of guys who are emerging, and then we saw a lot of things shift around as well with the the 23 guys. And so I think um, it's going to end up being a lot deeper of a class than people think, and there's a lot of uh, just underdogs and wildcard guys and have a lot of potential, too, there. So I think we're going to see something really nice uh, shave up. Obviously, Caleb Williams is top dog. Everyone's talking about Drake May. And then after that, everybody else is a little bit split. But there's a lot of um, dark horse guys, uh, guys who have been dark horse guys at this point that I think can really emerge and do a lot. Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy this past season. And Drake May, as you mentioned, those are the two guys that get a lot of attention. Drake May out of UNC and Caleb Williams out of USC. How, how close do you think those two guys are? I mean, we talk about generational. I think people throw that word around, generational talent, too much. But these are franchise guys in, in the NFL uh, after they come out of, of college. How close do you think they are in talent? I think that they're really close. And honestly, whenever I look at my top three, I kept uh, staring at it for a while. And I kind of said to myself, you know, uh, these three guys, in my opinion, are very close. I think everyone's number three is a little bit uh, different. But whenever we look at this, I could see them all uh, kind of ending up rotating. But I think that they all have a lot of really good raw potential. I'd say out of my top three, I'd say Caleb Williams is probably the most polished overall, I guess you could say. Uh, just as an overall quarterback, um, plays with good anticipation, good uh, confidence, really mechanically sound quarterback. Uh, has a lot of success with Lincoln Riley's system. And honestly, one of my only quibbles with Drake May is that every now and then he'll do this really weird thing where he starts sidearming things for no reason, which, I mean, if it works for him, it works for him. But if it's affecting things negatively, then that's something uh, to look at. But I think that he's got a lot of a lot of really good traits. He plays well out of structure, can do things on the fly. Um, and I think that he's a quarterback who's effective both through the air and on the ground. And so I think that we looked at UNC and kind of wondered how well are they going to replace uh, someone as gritty and uh, – 
successful at times as Sam Howell was, and I think that he's been a very pleasant surprise. who obviously has risen up the national ranks very quickly. You know, you mentioned the, the top three, and in your article at number three, you have Michael Pratt from Tulane, and I know a lot of people aren't saying that that's a household name, but Chrissy, he's a guy that's got a lot of experience in college, and you know, you look at a guy like Anthony Richardson who's in the draft and probably go top ten. He's only got 13 games under his belt. Michael Pratt is the exact opposite. He's got plenty of college experience, will have plenty of college experience. You see him up close to personal there at Tulane. What can you tell us about Pratt that he brings to the next level? Yeah, it's been really funny. Um, I've had to uh, contact a few people who have written about Michael Pratt with something that looks very similar to what I've written, and it happens to be because uh, when I was out there um, during last year's camp, it was I was typically the only reporter there, and there was one other reporter named Gary Smith who's there uh, pretty frequently. But other than that, I was pretty much the only person watching Michael Pratt, and I saw it right in front of my eyes what he brings to the table. And so while everyone um, had him ranked between I'd say, gosh, number 60 and number 90 in the FBS. Ahead of last season, I had him at number 10. No one else had him anywhere close uh, to that margin. It, and it's the thing with Michael Pratt, it's not just that he's risen and that he has a supporting cast and offensive line that he needs. It's that people are finally watching him for the first time. Um, and they're, they're seeing what they've been missing out on this entire time. Um, so I think that he's a quarterback who uh, played baseball before, um, was homeschooled, and didn't even play football until high school. And so that makes it even more uh, just impressive what he's managed to accomplish. But I think it's a quarterback who's a true dual threat, uh, passed over 3,000 yards uh, last year, and a really good ball placement can uh, put it in the right spot at all levels of the field. And I think that there's just not, not – there are times he bails in the pocket too early. He plays a little bit recklessly, and you tell you, he, loves, he loves to run even when he shouldn't. Um, and that's kind of the only negative thing about him. But very mature, uh, very high level of mental processing, and I think – that this is a quarterback that everyone has come to the consensus um, that he should be at least a mid-round pick. Most national networks now have him in their top ten just like I do and like I did uh, last year. But I think this is a quarterback that could be in the mix with Drake May, who can be in the mix with Caleb Williams since he beat him last year. Um, and really, I think, not, like like you said, not a household name right now, but absolutely will be by the end of the season, no doubt. Again, we're talking with Chrissy Freud from SI.com on Twitter at Chrissy underscore Freud. Her piece in SI right now, Fan Nation, ranking the top 15 returning starting NCAA quarterbacks ahead of the 2023 season. My man, demond has got one for you. Go ahead, Demond. These next couple quarterbacks I'm going to ask you about, we're taking it to the Pacific Northwest. Bo Nix, I feel like he's been around forever. Forever! Hey, he's, he's one of those guys. Super senior. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's just been around forever. What are some of the things that people are saying about him as he comes back to Oregon for maybe what is a fifth or sixth season? I was talking with some NFL scouts and some people who were uh, holding the showcases ahead of last season, and before anyone was really even talking about Bo Nix, they told me that the NFL was very high on Bo Nix, uh, specifically for what he can do on the run, how he's developed as a passer, and I think that he's at the right place right now, kind of with a bit of a case of a Jekyll and Hyde, I guess you would call it, at Auburn. He'd be really good at sometimes, really poor at other times. But I thought that he really came into his own right as he sustained that uh, unfortunate uh, lower body injury against Mississippi State and ended his season. But I think he was on the up, and I think he's in the right hands right now. And he's being, uh, he's, he's hitting his ceiling right now is what he's doing. And I think that there's a lot of people that are talking about him as potentially a first or second round pick. Um, in the next draft after this one, obviously. We had a listener, and he made a call specifically so we could ask about this guy, Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot to like about him. I think he brings a lot to the table physically, and I think that being uh, just reunited with DeBear is such a huge deal, and people have 
people were betting on Michael Penix Jr. That was kind of what they were saying is like, if he can stay healthy and since he's back with the bear, this thing can really work out really well. And it did. One of the only things I don't like about him is he doesn't utilize his lower body enough. Um, and that's, that's something that's, that's got to change. That's got to get better because any quarterback tra- trainer will tell you that quarterbacking inaccuracy starts in the ground up. And so you've got to have that down. That's got to be solid, but definitely a lot to like there. And a, a huge rise considering that not a lot of people, I mean, he was a really big deal and kind of fell off the radar and it was just because of the injury issues. And then I think being back with the bear helps him a lot, like I said. A player that like that I've got a special eye on, Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. Come because on you see him move Come out of OU, now. and it's like, oh, That's a man, big mystery right what's going to happen with yeah. him? So now him in South Carolina, he had an okay season last season, but what are some of the scouts at the next level think about him? Yeah, I think that there's mixed opinions about Spencer Rattler. Some people think he's too inconsistent, that he's, uh, that he's not going to develop mentally the way that he needs to, um, and just kind of some of that stuff that's been said. But I think that um, being over there, um, at South Carolina that he's done a lot of things that people didn't expect him to do. I think he started off the season kind of slow, but he absolutely tore it up in the back half of the season. Um, and he and I talked a little bit about transitioning to a different type of offense. This is the quarterback he's played in offense, a lot of air raid concepts, and obviously at South Carolina doing things a bit differently. Um, and he's excited to kind of ex- expand his skill set and thinks that it's a better system for him overall based on what he told me. And I think that that's Something that's kind of coming to light, and I think that it's just the question of is he going to build off the back half of last season, or is it going to be the up and down roller coaster that we've seen a couple of times now? Chrissy Freud is our guest from SI.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness, number nine on your top 15 list. Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. You say there's no question McCall has been one of the most electric, gritty players to watch in NCAA since he first took the field as a freshman with nothing but ongoing success since then. We actually had a guy, Hardcore Raider, ask, uh, can you ask her about Grayson McCall? So what can you tell us about him? What is he going to do and work on this season to help him uh, in his draft stock for next year? Yeah, I love Grayson McCall, a really great person, quarterback who I've worked with um, for a long time. He has a very uh, tough play-through-it-all mentality. I think that injury um, kind of affected him a little bit this year, and I think that that's kind of something um, that maybe got eyes off of Grayson McCall for a little while. But this is still the same player, and he play, he, he discounts it. I mean, he's not, he doesn't come out and really like, say that it's a super complicated offense, but I mean – what they run, this triple option spread offense, uh, that's kind of what they call it at Coastal Carolina, has a very unique run game element. And it's a little bit more difficult to comprehend than, uh, and just unique than some of these other offenses that are run. And from a very young age, really as soon as he took the field, he's run this thing to maximum capacity and has had so much um, success. Where, Like I said before, really good passer, really uh, solid on the run and just plays really, really tough, and so I think that he's a quarterback who can uh, really do it all, and I think the only the only real knock on him, for the most part, the biggest thing is they call him noodle arm. I've seen it before. <laughs> we had a conversation about that, actually. it's really I think it's really stupid, honestly. Um, I, and that's the thing, is there's this big obsession with arm talent. Mm-hmm. Me and Willie Fritz talked about this today, too, but adequate arm strength is all that is demanded of an NFL quarterback. You don't have to have a howitzer, which it helps. It's a nice thing to have in your toolbox. But I think that there are so many people uh, in this fad that think that a quarterback has to have just this huge rocket of an arm to be successful. And that is one of the lowest things in the priority list 
and a lot of people who have worked with quarterbacks for a long time will tell you that. And so I think that he has adequate zip on the ball and has enough zip on the ball on each throw that's needed, and I don't really see that as too much of a concern. One guy that had his pro day today was uh, Bryce Young at Alabama, and the biggest concern about him is just his size, his frame. And on your list at number four, you have Jordan Travis from Florida State. He's got those same concerns. His frame is not that big. But what do you like about Jordan Travis, and uh, what can he do this year to kind of prove that he could be that durable guy? Yeah, I think field vision and arm strength are two things that it comes down to. I mean, I, I remember right before the Cotton Bowl, uh, me and my friend were staying in the hotel and we were watching um, Jordan Travis, and I was like, I just can't get enough of this. And she said the same thing. And we hadn't really been watching a ton of Florida State the entire season because it's not a team uh, that I primarily cover. Uh, but, I mean, he gets the ball out fast and he throws it well at all levels of the field, and I think that he's only uh, going to get better. And I think that he's a quarterback who can thrive in an RPO-based offense. I think that there's a lot of things he can do. And really, when it comes down to it, it's kind of the same thing as physical traits aren't everything. And I think that he has everything else that he needs to, to succeed. And I mean, I think the primary concern when it comes down to the build and everything is injury. Uh, but I think as far as playing at full capacity, it's not affecting him at all. And I think that Bryce Young will also continue to prove that at the next level. When it comes to a guy that does have all of the physical traits and the arm, J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan, I mean, only one loss last season for the Wolverines. What do you expect him to do? Can he be even better than he was last season? Yeah, I think so. I think we got a sneak peek of kind of what um, he could do, a quarterback who I think has a lot of athletic ability. Um, the, the same thing, like you said, he has all, all the traits, has the NFL arm. Um, but I think also that he can he thinks on the fly really well. You can tell he's a quarterback that whenever things kind of start to collapse or a play doesn't go as you planned it to, that he can improvise really well or he can move on to the just to the next option really well. And I think that that's something really good to see out of a quarterback that uh, just took over Kay McNamara's spot. A quarterback that I want to ask you about that wasn't on the list, but being on the West Coast, sometimes you get sucked into the random Pac-12 game. Cameron Ward out of Washington mm. State. What do you think about him? Yeah, I think that he's somebody who was highly rated um, ahead of the season and then kind of fell off of some people's radar. I think that he's a little bit inconsistent at times. It certainly brings a lot of good things to the table. And I think that he's another one that when you have a quarterback class that is deemed, I mean, this quarterback class that's coming into the draft now was already seen as deep, and we already had like the top three to five guys pinned as to who was going to go early, and everyone else was kind of like, oh, we'll see what happens. Um, to them, but I think that this this crop here, he has a chance to reemerge and to kind of continue to climb the ranks. I know some people have him around 20, some people have him closer to 10, so he's kind of a little bit all over the place in the projections right now. Chrissy, we'll ask you about one more quarterback before we uh, let you go, and I, I know that we don't always talk about Syracuse football on this show, or a lot of shows don't talk about Syracuse football, but we did have a question about Garrett Schrader from Syracuse. I don't know if he's on your mm-hmm. radar or not. He's not on your list, but if he is, what are your thoughts on him? I like Garrett Schrader. Um, so whenever I was covering LSU, before I covered Mississippi State, um, he was one of the only quarterbacks that I felt like really gave LSU a run for their money in his own right. Obviously, Mississippi State itself um, fell short, but I think that he's a quarterback who does – he was known for a lot of good things that he could do on the run. Uh, but I thought he was one of Mississippi State's better overall passers over the years before you got over to, like, the Will Rogers era and stuff like that. So I think – that um, he hasn't quite played to his full potential yet and also had some injury issues. But I think that 
he he caught a lot of attention at Syracuse that he wasn't quite able to accomplish at Mississippi State, so I think that he's another one that could potentially be uh, kind of one of those sneaky risers moving forward. Well, fantastic stuff, really. I mean, when I tell you that, I really mean fantastic stuff. Again, your piece right now on FanNationSI.com, ranking the top 15 returning starting NCAA quarterbacks ahead of the 2023 season. Great stuff. Chrissy Freud, uh, SI.com, at Chrissy underscore Freud on Twitter. Anything else that you're working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, we're going to be doing a conference ranking, so quarterback rankings by conference, and then mm. ranking the guys ahead of the draft and just stuff like that. So a lot of quarterback rankings pieces and features coming out as well. Well, we'll definitely be paying attention to all your work. You do a great job, and we definitely appreciate you sharing a little bit of your time with us this afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. There she goes. Great stuff. Fantastic breakdowns, all things quarterbacks next year, right? And that's what we do. Again, uncover every single stone because there's a chance – that the Raiders might not come out with their quarterback of the future in this year's draft. And so if they don't, and I'm not saying that they have to pick in the top five to get their guy, maybe there's one of the guys that we just discussed could be their dude moving forward. Ziggler said it on Bussing with the Boys. It may not be this year. Could be next year. Told us. Who knows? Yes. He told us there in Indy at the Combine. So, I mean, hey, we got to keep our eyes open. I'll tell you what, Chrissy does a fantastic job. Again, if you're not following her on Twitter, you should be. At Chrissy, and that's C-R-I-S-S-Y underscore Freud, and she just broke down about, what, 10 to 12 quarterbacks? Yeah, even guys off, that off, weren't on the list. Off the top of the dome, right? I mean, that's that's nothing but respect right there. Like, I, I didn't have a Syracuse quarterback on my mind. I didn't have him on my radar. I had other guys <laughs> on my radar, but that was hardcore. Hardcore Raider hit us up and was like, hey, can you ask her about this guy? Yeah, no problem. That's what we do. Definitely appreciate uh, Chrissy and appreciate anyone who chimed in and asked us to ask. We had a question asked about Michael Penix, right? Yeah, that was from Robert in Portland. Boom. Thank you, Robert, for that. Hardcore, thank you for uh, your feedback as well. 416 is the time. We'll come back, get to a couple of your calls. I know Raider Mac is patiently waiting. We'll get to you first, and we'll uh, get some more Mel Kiper Jr. sounds here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks. To Chrissy Freud from SI.com gave us some great details and feedback on some quarterbacks that will be participating in college ball in 2023, and they'll be entering their names in the upcoming NFL draft next year. Not this upcoming, but next year. But let's go out to the phone line, 702-365-9200. Very patient. Raider Mac, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What up, Q? What's up, fellas? Chilling, man, chilling. What a wait, what a wait. But it's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it with you guys. Our bad, our bad. Hey, man. Hey, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. Hey, Q, so so we signed David Long and Cam Sims and all these other guys. Mm-hmm. Now, my question in the secondary, so where are you going to put, so is David Long a starter? Because he, he, he's a slot guy, so what are you going to do? Because what's the name? He regressed last year. Uh, Nate? Uh, what? Nate, Nate Hobbs regressed last year outside. He needs to go back inside. So are are they are they signing a, another corner, or are they going to go with Gonzalez at corner? Uh, the the kid from um, uh, I think what is it Washington Oregon from what Oregon? Yep. Are, you, are we going to sign him? Do you think they're going to draft this guy? And also, Q, this my my biggest my my biggest concern is is start. Uh, get get the offensive line together. You don't wait for the last minute to get this offensive line together. That's the key. Because Jimmy Garoppolo, you can say whatever you want about Carr. I'm not a Carr guy, mm-hmm. but but at least he was able to move around a little better than than Jimmy. Even though Jimmy, you know, Jimmy have a more awareness in the pocket. And Q, you guys are oh, 
I'm telling you, Bryce Young, you watch him. I'm going to talk to you three years from now, and you're going you're gonna to say Mac was right. Because Bryce Young, you, you, you watched his throwing yesterday, but the thing you guys fail to realize is that this dude – this dude just got that it factor where, I mean, he does. CJ is good, mm-hmm. but CJ is not on that same level. My thing is we need to concentrate on Hooker. Um, uh, I would definitely draft him in the second round, or I, he'd probably be gone by then. But if we can get him with all, the, we got two compensated picks, right? We got two extra picks, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Why yep. are we going to move up with that? Do you think they're going to move up? Very possible. Very possible. Thank you for the call. I do appreciate you. I mean, they got 12 picks. That's the, the good thing about what they have in their arsenal right now is 12 picks. You could do a lot with that. There's no way they're signing 12 draftees, right? There's no way they're going to go select 12 guys and sign them. That's not going to happen. I promise you. I don't know who they're going to select, but I know what they ain't going to select, <laughs> right? They ain't going to select 12 guys. So the beautiful thing is they could do exactly what you just said, Raider Mac. They could package some picks and move up. They could start targeting guys. And I'll say this when it comes to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I, after the combine, was all 100% team C.J. Stroud. I'm I'm a fan of both guys, Stroud and Bryce Young, and and you ain't got to tell me about him having that it factor. You're absolutely right. The only thing that's working against Bryce Young is his size, and can he stay uh, upright and durable in the NFL? And that's obviously TBD. Like none of us will know until we know. But what he's done his whole life, like he told us at the combine. I mean, he was at the podium. I was standing a few feet in front of him. He said, "Look, I've been this size my whole life." Respectfully, I love the way he said it too. Respectfully, with a smile on his face, I've been this size my whole life. You know, so I mean. He's, he's made it work. He's won a national championship. He does have that it factor. C.J. Stroud, I would say, doesn't probably have the same it factor that Bryce Young has. But C.J. Stroud is the big dude. You feel a little bit more comfortable that he's going to take a hit and be okay. And he's very, very accurate. Like, if you're playing darts, you don't want me on your team. I'm terrible at darts. But you know who could, who could play darts? C.J. Stroud. I'd bet I'd put him on, on my team. Yeah, because he's going to ping, ping. I'm going to put a hole in my mama's wall, <laughs> right? The worst thing my aunt ever did back in life was give me a dartboard. I've I had so many different holes on my, my bedroom wall. My mom said, what in the hell happened here? I was like, well, Aunt Martha gave me a dartboard. You ain't supposed to throw them in the house, dummy. My bad. Weren't you supposed to get better, though? After a while, it's like, hey, hey look, I got the hang of this now. No, I was trying to throw it like I was Dwight Gooden. I thought I was throwing a fastball. <laughs> but <laughs> I had no I, – I wasn't hanging out with the right people, man. The right people could have informed me of how you throw darts. Obviously, I didn't know. Speed. Uh, yeah, well, that's all I thought. I thought that's what it was about. I was hanging out with guys that thought we had to be Dwight Gooden and Dave Stewart, right? We are up there throwing fastballs. Instead, you got to have some – you got to be precise. You got to have precision. I didn't have that. So, yeah, I'm not the guy you want to play darts with. but Real C- quick, you. CJ Stroud, I think you could. We got to tell people the news. Tell them the news. Yes. All right, Raider Nation. Fans of Mark Davis all around. Tom Brady <laughs> is coming to Vegas. Yeah! As a minority owner for the LV Aces. <laughs> there you go. That is the news. Seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. This is according to uh, the Aces. They just sent the email out. Tom Brady acquires ownership interest in the Las Vegas Aces. He says, I'm very excited to be part of the Aces organization. My love for women's sports began at a young age when I would tag along to all my older sisters' games. They were by far the best athletes in our house. We celebrated their accomplishments together as a family, and they remain a great inspiration to me. So uh, there you go. Uh, Mark Davis has said, since I purchased the Aces, our goal has been to win on, on and off the court. Tom Brady is a win not only for the Aces and WNBA, but for women's professional sports as a whole. So there you go. Uh, Tom Brady lands in Vegas 
No matter what. It happens to be with the LV Aces. We got our guy. <laughs> we'll be seeing a lot of him this season. No, you know there's no doubt about that. You know there's no doubt that that there, you'll see a lot of Tom Brady in Las Vegas uh, during the LV Aces season. He was there courtside. That's when Kelsey Plum, you know, went up to him and and uh, took a picture with him and everything. Barked and at him. Barked at him. Did the whole Plum <laughs> Dog thing. He sent her an autographed jersey. I mean, that, that's going to be cool. And again, I say this all the time. The Aces atmosphere is fantastic. I love going to Aces games just because of the energy at Michelob Ultra Arena. And their season's going to get started pretty soon. Of course, those games will be heard on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. One quick uh, note, uh, Raider Mac asked about the corners and asked about David Long. Uh, my guy, Tashawn Reed from The Athletic, kind of put this tweet out there, and I, I don't want to take credit for it. I just want to go ahead and read what he said. My best guess is the Raiders starting secondary as of right now. David Long, Duke Shelley in the slot. Nate Hobbs, free safety, Trayvon Merrick, strong safety, Marcus Epps, primary backups, Brandon Faison, Amik Robertson, Sam Webb, slot would be Tyler Hall, Roderick Teamer, and Jaquan Johnson. That's according to Deshaun Reed from The Athletic, just to give you a little bit of insight, because to be honest with you, Raider Mac, I haven't really thought about it. I just know that they're stacking a lot of talent, and there should be a lot of competition, healthy competition, coming up in training camp. Coming up next, Jennifer Mercedes, La Vida Baseball. She'll join us to talk all things WBC. That's the World Baseball Classic. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Whenever something really big goes on outside of the world of football, we like to dip into it and talk about it. You know, if it's basketball, if it's baseball, whatever the case may be. Obviously, the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight happening here in Las Vegas. But what we saw, what I witnessed on TV was the WBC wrapped up just the other day. Japan beat the USA, and as much as I wanted the USA to win, it was just a fantastic showcase. We've actually talked about it the last couple days because, well, it was that good. So joining us now on the phone line is actually a young lady that was there, present for the whole event, the whole tournament. That's Jennifer Mercedes, La Vida Baseball, on Twitter at Chica underscore Deportes. And Jennifer, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And it's so funny that baseball has been trying to do everything they can to make it more entertaining and make the younger crowd tune in and try to make guys go back to stealing bases by making the base bigger. And all, I mean, all this other stuff they've gone through. All they needed was a WBC. If there, if that wasn't entertaining for baseball, I don't know what was. What were your thoughts as you were there? <laughs> well, hi, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, this is my third WBC covering the the W. Well, actually, my second WBC, and it's always been amazing for me. Um, as a Latina, baseball is in our blood, so it, it's it's always so cool to see the fans. I think the fans really were the stars of this entire show. Um, and you're right. I mean, the WBC, this this past one, um, really, really did a, a lot of good for, for MLB for sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. I really did. And, and I felt like I was glued to the TV. I couldn't stop watching it. And, and, of course, the way it wrapped up with Shohei Otani going up against Mike Trout, I mean, you couldn't write that story any, any better. But there were so many great moments in the tournament. So as far as just the vibe and the energy and the interaction that you had with the players that were there representing their, their respective countries, what was that like? Oh, everyone was super excited. Everyone said that it was the most, it was just like the best experience of their lives and of their careers. Adam Wainwright, who uh, who we all know, you know, has pitched in the postseason, has had an amazing career. And he said, he's like, this is the biggest and just the best thing I've ever experienced in my life, um, in his career. So a lot of the players were saying a lot of the same things. I had I had the chance to talk to a lot of the Dominican players and ask them if they could choose between WBC and a World Series, which would they pick? And a lot of them said WBC because it just means 
so much more to represent your country. Um, it's just a li- different level of bragging rights. Really. No doubt. No doubt. Again, Jennifer Mercedes, LaVita Baseball, is joining us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 on the Sarah Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. I've got to ask you about the fan turnout because the <laughs> park looked filled every time you turned on the TV to watch a game. We know about the Dominican presence, but also the other Latin countries all showed out. So what was it like there from the fans' point of view at the WBC? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, Team Mexico, they, uh, Mexican fans are always hardcore. Um, if, if you ever go into Latin America to watch any of like, the football games, the soccer games, any of that, right? But, yes, Latin America really, really did turn out uh, in Miami, especially. Um, I, I, really, I, I wish and I wonder if MLB has even thought about just keeping it like kind of like a World Cup where they have one place where everything goes down. Um, and I think Miami would be the place. Uh, it just seems like a, a spot for everyone that's easy for people from Latin America to come to. Um, but yes, the fans showed up, showed out. They had even the the, the Japanese fans uh, had their instruments. They were playing drums. They were playing trumpets. It was it was a cultural experience. How'd they get all that inside the ballpark? <laughs> Here in Vegas, you can't bring anything in. They're Not bringing in full instruments. They had a clear bag. <laughs> Yeah, yes, you, yeah, I, I mean, yes, right? You, you could, and you still, you could only bring a clear bag, but you could bring in instruments. Um, we had Platano Plantains with the Dominican fans, um, you know, team Platano uh, Power. Uh, so, I mean, yes, the fans were amazing, and I do think that they were the star of the show. You know, one interview I saw that you did as we were following along on Twitter with you was uh, with Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, and, and obviously we all know him as a household name. He's a guy that uh, so many baseball fans just adored the kid. What was that conversation like as he was out there uh, with t- Team USA? Well, he was. I can tell you he was having a lot of fun. He was having a blast. Um, and enjoying like the atmosphere and what he was doing there as as a coach, he played in in 2006, and for him to be on the other side as as a coach, he he was de- definitely enjoying it. And that conversation was just about how um, you know how he can engage with these players and and what was his advice to them. And it was just about that about keeping the game small and and not letting it get too big in, in their heads, but um, but enjoying it at the same time. And I think every single player that was there uh, did just that. You know, we have a AAA team here in Las Vegas, uh, the Aviators. They're the AAA team of the A's, and they had 14 players representing their, their respective countries playing in, in the tournament. So my question to you is, as far as the attention, like everyone's eyes were on the WBC. Do you think that some eyes might have caught some players that they weren't really aware of that, hey, this guy might be a star. Oh, and he's on my favorite team and might actually get a few more eyeballs on Major League Baseball as the start of the season's right around the corner. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was a player from Nicaragua who got signed. He was the, the, the closing pitcher for the team. And I, um, his name is, escapes me right now, but he was signed by Detroit. And he struck out Juan Soto, Manny Machado. Um, and so it was like literally one hour after the game, he got signed. So there are, it's definitely a showcase for a lot of players. More eyes are being – for players who are not even signed, right, um, to Major League Baseball organizations. And like you said, and fans can now see some of these younger guys who are coming up, you know, prospects and stuff like that. Uh, it is an amazing showcase for Jennifer, those, those kids. Jennifer Mercedes is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. You mentioned a showcase, and I heard before, you know, the tournament really got started, some people talking about, oh, it's just an exhibition, doesn't mean anything, these guys are in spring training, no big deal. After it was all said and done and through all the players that you talked to, including a guy like Mookie Betts for the Dodgers, what were they saying when it was all said and done? 
Yeah, well, none, none of the guys ever felt that way. I mean, I even spoke to um, Nolan Arenado, and he was like, if you're, if you're a pitcher and you're throwing 96 miles an hour during spring training, there is no reason why you shouldn't be doing that in the WBC. Every player who was there uh, is happy to be there, will be there again if they can be um, for the next one. And people who say it's just an exhibition game that doesn't mean anything, they don't know baseball, they don't love baseball, <laughs> um, and honestly, they can take a hike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! You know what's funny? It's funny that you say that because I always tell people, and they always say that, oh, you're just the old dude in the room, and I keep saying with all these rule changes, uh, trying to speed up the game, trying to do this, that, and the other, I, I say, look, baseball's a sport that Either you love baseball or you don't. Like, I don't care what rules they change. Like, because the game's shorter doesn't mean that all of a sudden I'm going to go sit in front of the TV and watch it. I mean, I was going to either watch it or I'm not. And I, I've always watched baseball. I love baseball. I just feel like it's one of those sports, like you just mentioned, if, if you love it, you love it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah, and, and, and it is. And for people, you know, you know, it, it is like that, that meme. Um, old man, you know, screaming at, at, the, at the sky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you don't like it and you are constantly complaining about it, then just don't watch it. I mean, that's that's all I have to say about it. And people who were complaining about players getting hurt, players can get hurt. It, it's really, you know, it's horrible that any player can get hurt, but players can get hurt during spring training. So what are you going to do, cancel spring training? Right. No. It happens. It's a risk that, that happens that you take and the players take and they know that, um, that it comes with it. Each player has a, an insurance policy to cover um, such injuries. So it is what it is. It's unfortunate, uh, but it happens, and it can happen at any point in time. So to blame the WBC on injuries for players um, is, is really silly, honestly. Another person that you got to catch up with at the WBC was David Ortiz, as he was there a part of the Big coverage copy. for Fox. What was that like talking to him, and what did he think about the tournament overall? I love Big Poppy. Uh, and, and, and David, honestly, he said that for him it was – uh, it was a an eye opening moment, really, because even though he's you know so involved in baseball, and, and even when he retired, he still stayed involved. Uh, it, even for him, it was a showcase. He said he didn't realize how much talent there really, really was. And one thing that I really liked about what he said was that it's not necessarily the best team that wins; it's the team that plays the best, and that's the team that's going to win. Um, and you have a lot of players, for instance, Team Mexico, uh, who Mexico plays year-long baseball. So you have a lot of these guys who are legit ready at the drop of a dime. And I think that's what you saw with Team Mexico, why they were so aggressive and why they were so successful um, in this WBC. But David, that's what David said, basically. is like he, he couldn't believe the amount of talent that is around the world. I believe it. I believe it. Again, it was fantastic. And I'm not trying to bring up old stuff, Jennifer, but you mentioned Team Mexico, and Japan had that walk-off, and, and your face oh. and your look, and I know you were going for Team Mexico. <laughs> the look on your face when they had that walk-off was priceless. What was going through your mind when you saw that shake out that way? I knew it was going to happen because, I mean, if you, if you watch baseball, you, you know where things are going. And, I mean, I was praying. I was hoping because they were the last Latino team um, – in it, and I was just, I was really, really hoping for it, but yeah, it hurt. When <laughs> it, it hurt more because it was a walk off, because it was like they were, you know, if it would have been in the eighth inning and uh, Japan would have gone ahead, then it's like, all right, you know, they lost. But to lose in that way and the way that Team Mexico played, man, they left their hearts on the field. They and they and they came out and they and they said hi to the fans afterwards. After they lost, they stayed there thanking the fans. 
um, who came out. So they they really really did. Um, overall, I feel like Mexico won in a sense. Um, and even their 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 manager Benji said he's like you know at the end of the day baseball won, and and it's true because we watched an amazing. That was just that was one of. I think the best games that I've ever watched, period. Mm -hmm. Something that I did want to ask you about Mexico on a brighter note is Randy Rosarino, because I think that he leaves the WBC as the biggest star coming out of that tournament. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's he's another reason why I wanted Team Mexico to win so badly. He did everything and anything that he could, right, for that team to win. I mean, the charisma, the he literally has everything, right? He has the skills. Then again, he has that X factor that that you want in in an athlete. Um, I think he's going to end up getting a whole bunch of endorsement deals after this, uh, just because he like you just look at him, right? And and you know the crossing of the arms, uh, he's he's amazing, and and he's also such a nice guy and super humble. He talks to everybody. I mean, being the star that he was, he literally talked to every single media outlet that was out there that needed to talk to him. Um, so shout out to to Arroz Arena. Uh, him and his his cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> My man. So the last player that I want to ask you about, Shohei Otani. We know that he's he's officially the he's man. Right. He, yeah, he's he, all right. Yeah, he, he did a little something, something. Yeah, he <laughs> But leaving the tournament, did you think that hey, without a shadow of a doubt, he's the best player in the world? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think that there will be another player in our generation, at least, uh, who can do what Shohei does. He can, and not only can he hit, not only can he pitch, but he can also lead. Um, and I think that's what he did with this team. And the, his speech that he gave them um, prior to, to the game, I think, was great, right? It was about, um, he said something along the lines of, let's leave our admiration for, for them being the U.S. team to the side for one day. We admire them, but if we admire them, we don't win. Mm. And let's leave that to the side. And I think that that was perfect, right? And I mean, and you saw that the, the Japan is just a different level. I think their discipline shows uh, the way that they can stay calm and and just really fight back um, is is amazing. I think that that that's a lot to do with with Shohei's uh, leadership. Yeah, even though he's quiet and mm-hmm. calm, I, I I do believe that he's a great leader. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that matchup to, to wrap everything up, Shohei good, going against get Mike Trout. I mean, again, you couldn't have wrote that script any better for it to shake out. Of course, I was hoping that USA was going to come out on top, but I'm not mad when you see yeah. something like that, and it was fun and exciting. Like you said, baseball won. Out. Right. Yes, exactly. Baseball won in a major way. Well, Jennifer, right around the corner is the baseball season. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most? What, you know, how, how involved will you be in this upcoming season? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be I'll be covering the season, and I'm just looking forward to baseball, right? I'm, I'm looking forward to great games. I'm looking forward to more fans. I think because of the WBC, I think people are going to be coming out more to the ballpark, and you know, I think that's the best way to to enjoy a game is to see it live. Um, is to see see a game live at the stadium. I hope that teams allow people to you know enjoy and have a great experience. I know tickets can be expensive, so I think that that's something that. I hope that teams can address uh, seeing the success of the BBC. Um, but that's really what I'm looking forward to. I love, like, you know, experiencing 
um, the season. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And again, I'm a big baseball fan. Always have been a big baseball fan. So I'm I'm definitely all about it. And if you get in anybody's ear, any of the powers to be, let them know that Las Vegas is a great place. It's a great destination. You want to <laughs> throw a tournament? We're all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. All right. Well, Jennifer, thanks so much. You did a fantastic job covering uh, the whole WBC. I felt like I was in Miami without being in Miami. So you saved me some money as well. So I definitely appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. There she goes. Fantastic job. Jennifer Mercedes, LaVita Baseball on Twitter, at Chica underscore Deportes. Covered the whole WBC like a glove. And to be there in Miami. And, Damon, you pointed out the fans. I mean, man, they had instruments. They had, I mean, they, were, they, <laughs> they had a party, man. They had a party. Like, Raider Nation, we all know that how it goes down at the, in, in, at the parking lot, whether it's Lot J, whether it was the Coliseum back in the day, it was always a party. What they did at the WBC – that was a party. You also saw where just from the reports, you know uh, you know how tournament style goes. Yeah. Your team plays, you're out of there as soon as the game over. Right. They're like, no, they were staying the entire day. I bought seven days, Jack. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't getting me to go home. Venezuela played three hours ago. Don't matter. <laughs> People were just there for a party. Man, they weren't trying to get that Constellation T-shirt and bounce, right? They're like, man, give me that T-shirt. I'm going to go to the parking lot. We're going to bang some drums. We're going to hit some cervezas, and we're going to kick it. And that's what they did. And that's how it should be. It should be a party. It was an absolute party. And anyone who wants to make baseball more fun, you know what you needed to do? Watch the WBC and have stars. If the NBA wants to ever take a page out of baseball's book, and we always talk about the slam dunk contest, how the stars aren't in it and it's boring, guess what? Put the stars in the dunk contest and it'll be fun. The WBC had stars, had stars. Even Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, had the kid out there as a coach for USA. That is fun. Real quick, did you see all the players gathered around him as he was taking batting practice? Yeah. Oh, man, it was it was for them. It was like watching the Messiah. Right. It's, that, it's their guy. Look, I'll tell you right now, as a Ricky Henderson fan, if Ricky went out there and put on the cleats and was like, I'm about to steal second, you know who would be right there watching? Me. Go on, Ricky. <laughs> Go on, Ricky. I, I, hey, look, I know. I know that, that you, this ain't something that you do all the time anymore, but this is something you can do right now. Born December 25th, 1958. Ricky can still steal second. He don't need no extra big base. Right? Baseball was my, man, that was my sport growing up. That was that was my favorite sport growing up for the longest. I got away from it. My grandfather always told me, rest in peace, but he always told me, man, you got to catch that ball and learn how to hit a fastball and you'll be all right. I just got bored. A lot of folks get bored when it comes to baseball. But, man, baseball is fun. 4.48 is the time. Many thanks to Jennifer Mercedes for joining us, talking a little WBC. We'll come back. We'll close out the show just like that. It's Red Nation Radio. Oh, you want what? Call it number nine? Yeah, we want call it number nine if you want to go to the XFL game. Yeah. There you go. The hey. Vipers versus the Battle Hawks from St. I don't know. AJ McCarron, the quarterback. Who hey, cares? look, man. We got Luis Perez is our starting <laughs> quarterback. Try to put a little inflection on it the way Harry does. Okay, okay. Look, DeMond's on the call for a couple weeks, and he's, like, taking ownership of it. All right. You want to go out there and see Harry Ruiz, DeMond Cotton, and the Vegas Vipers? No, I'm kidding. You want to see the Vegas Vipers this upcoming weekend? We do have a four-pack of tickets for you. So let's go ahead and get it, man. 702-365-9200. Call number nine. We got you. It's Red Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Sometimes you just don't know what you're going to learn about a person. By the way, shout out to my guy Mike. Winner of the four-pack of tickets to go see the Vegas Vipers take on St. Louis this upcoming weekend. Cashman Field, Harry Ruiz, and DeMond will be on the call. Of course, you can hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Thank you to Finley Toyota for making those uh, tickets available. And uh, Mike is going to go and have a really good time. Definitely appreciate him. But it's funny. You never really know about 
you don't know everything about people. You think you know a lot about a person, and then you all of a sudden you realize and you learn a little bit more. Our good friend, Vice Raider, really good dude, man. That that's our guy. You're like rocking with us all the time, man. And we got a small, at least I have a very small, you know, group of people that I run with. Vice Raider happens to be one of them. After that interview we just had with Jennifer Mercedes, talking all things WBC, talking a little world baseball classic. Vice Raider said, Jennifer Mercedes, believe me, being Japanese, Mexican-American, I was torn the last two games. Yes, baseball was the real winner in the WBC baseball. I can't wait until the next one, and hopefully the finals will be on the West Coast. Flashback to 2009, and Vice Raider has three pictures where this dude, he looked the part, Damon. I mean, we're looking at, he looked the part. He looked like he about to uh, get in the batter's box and hit one over the fence. He could have signed a couple autographs. He could have signed a couple. He could have showed up. This is what, and I'm surprised he didn't do it because that's Vice Raider's thing. He'll show up and look the part, right? He absolutely looks the part. So Vice Raider, big baseball player, has got his uniform on here representing Team Japan. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, my man. And, and obviously you appreciated the interview that we had with Jennifer Mercedes. She was great just giving her experiences and sharing her experiences that she had in Miami covering the WBC. Let's go out to the phone lines and get a couple calls as we close things out. 702-365-9200. Shields up. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Q, how you doing, brother? I'm blessed. Hey, when you're talking to the XFL, man, who are you down with, man? Have you, have you got a team? Oh, Vegas Vipers. Vegas Vipers, home oh, team. Right. Hey, it's good for business. Right. <laughs> I, I'm looking at Orlando, man. I like the colors. What do you oh, got yeah. over there? I got what's you. The team, what's the team's name? Uh, the Orlando, who are the Orlando? What are they? They're not the Predators. Who are Orlando, man? You're on the call, Damon. You don't even know. How are you not knowing you're on the call? I forgot that quick, man. My bad. It is your bad. It is your bad. Look, I'm Vegas Vipers all day. Like I said, it's good for business. Coach Rod Woodson's our guy. Absolutely, man. I like <laughs> the colors and the Vipers, man, but they're going to improve that. The Guardians. Defense. There you go. The Orlando Guardians. The there Guardians. you go. Thank I think you, the best team Thank is you. probably the – um. Uh, what's the Oh man, they just played uh, Vegas the other week. Uh, DC, DC Commanders, isn't that the Commanders? Defenders, Defenders, the Commanders, Commanders are the NFL team. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they're the closest team to me. I'm shocked. There's there's no teams in Mass or New York. I don't, hopefully, hopefully the market spreads. But I'll be quick, man, in saying that um, I'm happy with the moves we have addressed. We've stacked the tight end position. We've stacked the uh, uh, DT position, and we stacked the cornerback position. And knowing that, do we know now what, what we're going to do in the uh, draft? Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's. I think it's defense all day, right? I mean, and, and defense all yeah. day, man. Yep. And in my opinion, the cornerbacks, if we can't trade down. I don't think we're going to offer to trade down. I would like to trade down, but I don't think there's somebody's going to offer us. If we sit at seven, we get one of the cornerbacks. To me, because mm-hmm. we already got Max Crosby, and coverage without pressure doesn't work out, right? It, it, in my opinion, so we got to get with the cornerbacks. Next round, linebackers, and possibly in the middle. I think we're strong in the middle because we've got four possible pressure people. And if Jalen Carter is not there at seven, my point is this. Then we get the corner right after that. Mm-hmm. If we can move down, right. that would be even better. I'm not. I, I'm serious. I don't think we're going to have a training partner. But if we sit at seven, we get the corner and then work from the middle to the outside. I would love to get the Iowa 
linebacker in the second round. Also, there's another thumper out of the SEC, Arkansas. I forget his name. That's a thumper at the linebacker position. So that's where I sit. Thank you for taking my call, man. And Shields up. Hey, great stuff. Shields up. Appreciate the call. And, yeah, that's the thing about it, you know, and, and I'm very open and flexible, and that's what I was talking about on yesterday's show. Like, I'm not married to the idea that you have to go get a corner at number seven because, well, you need corner help. If the best player on your board is a, is a defensive lineman, edge, or D, D tackle, go get that guy. Like you said, if Jalen Carter's there and they're comfortable taking him and he's that difference maker, go get him. All I ask and all I care about is that the Raiders – go ahead and draft a bunch of difference makers, right? So if you get the best player that you feel like is there and he happens to be a D-tackle, get him. And then just know that in your mind, at some point you've got to get the best corner that's left on the board wherever you get that opportunity to pick. And the good thing is with them having 12 picks, they can move around. I, I'm with you. I don't think that they're going to get an offer to move down from seven. I just don't. Everyone always says, oh, just move down. That's convenient. you got to have a trade partner, right? It's just like, it's just like going to the school dance, right? You know how many girls I dance with in my mind? But I stood there holding up the wall. <laughs> I'm going to go dance with her, except for she ain't dancing with me. <laughs> right? You got to, it takes two to tango. Ain't that what they say? There wasn't a whole lot of tangoing going on. I'm just saying. <laughs> so you got to have two to tango. But bottom line, man, when it comes late April, with what they've been able to do, when it comes late April, they have the best opportunity to get literally the best player available in their positions that they need them, which is defense, defense and more defense. We appreciate all the great guests that we had, all the great feedback we've had, all the great calls and texts. We'll have more tomorrow as we close out the week strong. Thanks to Damon. I'm your boy Q. Have a great evening. It's Radio 920.